0: Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Ye shall fear every man his mother and his father, and keep my Sabbaths, I am the Lord your God. Turn ye not unto idols, nor make to yourselves molten gods, I am the Lord your God. And if, if ye offer a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord, Ye shall offer it at your own will. It shall be eaten the same day ye offer it, and on the morrow, if aught and if aught remain until the third day, it shall be burnt in the fire. And if it be eaten at all on the third day, it is abominable. It shall not be accepted. Therefore, every one that eateth it shall bear his iniquity, because he hath profaned the hallowed thing of the Lord and that soul shall be cut off from among his people it's reading from leviticus chapter 19 verses 2 through 8 looking at the context of where we see in the law if you were to offer a sacrifice under the mosaic law it had to be done willingly at your at your own will otherwise it wasn't a sacrifice you had to have a say in the matter otherwise it wouldn't be a sacrifice it would just be Suffering loss. Hey, everybody, welcome to the program. Thanks for tuning in. You are, of course, listening to the Average Apologetics Podcast. I'm Corey, your average apologist. Today, we'll be taking a look at the meaning of sacrifice, especially in lieu of the lunacy that is going on in popular culture there is a massive massive paradigm shift in society and, and frankly the inmates are running the asylum inmates are running the asylum and, and it look it doesn't have anything to do with people's intellect or their their credentials and a lot of times it's it's contrary to what publicly appears what visibly is presented as as the intelligent uh, as as the intelligent and, and well educated individuals no no it's it, it's seriously it, there are there are things that people say in the media that people say on social media that people in the past few weeks alone it is the lack the sheer lack of perspective on reality and the complete disconnect with both the truth and, frankly, the average folks like you and I, that we see in in just a wide assortment of people, from political leaders and celebrities to media personalities and even spiritual leaders, which can make even the most stable person start to question his sanity. I mean, just by looking at the series of events that have been taking place in the past few weeks, from the riots, the deceptions, to the completely completely unbiased and uninfluenced trials. And and no, I'm, I'm not saying that uh, the Derek Chauvin trial, I'm not saying that Derek Chauvin isn't guilty of any crimes, just that the trial itself, as I pointed out before, was in no way free from public influence. But I digress. All of this, all of this pales in comparison to what I want to bring up today. Something that I mentioned in passing the other day, it's something that... I want to take a little time to analyze for the sake of all of you who pay attention to these sort of things, okay? Now, I will state for the record, I am not a Catholic. And in not being a Catholic, I have very limited knowledge about the specifics of Catholic teaching. So if I happen to misrepresent anything even slightly, it's not intentional. But from what I understand, and believe it or not, Catholicism happens to be something that i have not studied nearly as much as as say i have studied islam for example which really has only been a fascination of mine in the past year or so but from what i understand of catholicism it is still considered catholic doctrine rooted in scripture the catechism and historical christianity in general that homosexual relationships are not to be recognized not to be blessed and to be viewed as intrinsically disordered. Now, you, you may be thinking what well, you, you said that you, you were gonna talk about something you mentioned recently. Well, I, don't, I don't recall you mentioning anything specific about homosexuality. Well, it's, it's because I didn't. What I wanna talk to you about is something that was said in a public speech by, yet again, one of our our beloved elected representatives the publicly adored nancy pelosi I, I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek not not just because i am not a fan but because she has received so much backlash from both sides of the political aisle over something that she said last week but but i want to i want to preface that by talking about this okay and, and i mentioned the the issue of homosexuality in the catholic church because of a piece that I read, actually two, two articles that I recently read. One, a piece in the National Catholic Register on April 20th of this year, 2021, written by Edward Penton. It was, a, it was about a discussion of the ongoing pressure from the social and political left ideologues being exerted on church leaders to remove specific language from the catechism that homosexuals find hurtful. Now, I've mentioned the heresy of faith-based in experience in talking about the so-called progressive Christian church and so-called progressive Christianity how that leads to the defying of objective moral reality when your feelings and whims and and other experiences originating from the sin nature and the natural spiritually rebellious inclinations of humanity object to the moral law established by the nature of god here is a prime example of that the push of the the push for the acceptance of homosexual behavior as normal and good rather than Being recognized as a form of disorder, as a direct violation of the natural law, natural sexual order based on the biological realities of the human creature as God created us, succumbing to a kind of deviation and lust rather than focusing your sexual proclivities on their fundamental purposes, both procreation and the bond of unity between a man and wife. It's part of the building blocks of the family and the basic framework for a structured, organized, and effective society. Homosexual activity all throughout historical Christianity and Judaism, when viewed under the law of God, is always considered an act of direct violation, an act of sin. And I bring, I bring this up because of another article that, that I also read, that, that it was from several years ago at Catholic Online, uh, written by Deacon Keith A. Fournier. I may be mispronouncing his name, and I apologize if I am. He is an ordained minister, a Catholic deacon, a founder and chairman of Common Good Foundation and Common Good Alliance, as well as a human rights lawyer and public policy advocate, the first founding executive director of the american center for law and justice he explained in this article how nancy pelosi and again this was several years ago how nancy pelosi lives a double life publicly boasting a devout catholic faith but living as a heretic and in his article he details uh, some examples of how uh, she had uh, taken I believe it was either her children or grandchildren. I, I can't remember the, the specifics off the top of my head, but she had taken, um, taken children to, uh, to an awards an awards ceremony, uh, pertaining to, again the acceptance of homosexuality and the embracing of homosexual marriage, and part of her her explanation on this was that she wanted to ensure that the children knew that homosexuality was acceptable and decent and a, a consistent part and, and consistent with her catholic faith when you think about that very very carefully about, about what i'm saying okay in this article this uh, deacon keith a fournier he cites pelosi's comments on on, on homosexuality on homosexual marriage as being consistent with catholic teaching which again as far as i know always has been and still is a false claim now i know that homosexuality has been a problem for the catholic church especially where some of the clergy has been concerned some of the priesthood possibly stemming from periods of time Where turning a blind eye to potentially same-sex attracted men who were willing to take the oaths of celibacy to join the priesthood when few other men were willing to do that, willing to make that sacrifice, was the best method that they saw fit of filling the ranks of clergy. Again, that's just speculation, as I, I know little to nothing on the matter, except that there has been a crisis specifically of pederasty, which is homosexual pedophilia within several dioceses stateside in, in the past decade. That being said, again, in my understanding of Catholicism and what little, what little I know of the Catechism and of, of Catholic doctrine, these things have always been condemned. It was never sanctioned. Homosexuality in general was never sanctioned, never condoned, and never upheld by Orthodox Catholic doctrine. Now, I bring all of this up because... Because, with the already blatant disregard that Representative Pelosi has shown for her professed Catholic faith, with this already blatant disregard, and while I can't speak personally on on the level of one Catholic to another, the very fact that she professes a Christian belief and yet does and says the kinds of things that she does is frankly beyond disgraceful. Now, If you are a fan of Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi, and I'm assuming that pretty much anyone who would actually be interested in listening to this podcast probably is not, but on the off chance that you actually are, then I encourage you to do some digging. Do some digging into the kinds of non-Christian, non-Catholic representation we see from this sitting member of Congress and just see, by your own interpretation by your own uh, research and analysis, if that doesn't strike you as a little bit contradictory. Now, I personally thought that Nancy Pelosi could not disappoint me any, any further than she already does as a person of professed faith, but last week she upped the ante. She pressed further than ever before from where I'm standing because, as I mentioned before, She delivered what sounds like a prayer during a public speaking event with the National Black Caucus shortly after the verdict was announced for the Derek Chauvin trial. Now, of course, I may just be biased, but between her words and her body language, which if you've watched the video, she glances upward to the sky as she gives thanks to George Floyd, It all sounds to me to be very reminiscent of a prayer to George Floyd, something akin to the pagan ancestral prayers to the honored dead. If you haven't heard it, I want you to listen to what Nancy Pelosi has to say.
1: So we thank God. We thank Jesus. Because we were praying to him all along. Right, Johnny? We thank God. They are people of faith. They conveyed that to me on the phone, but they've conveyed it all along. So as, uh, it'll be eight weeks, according to what the judge said, on the, before we know the sentencing, but that's part of the justice of it all as well. Mr. Kyburn has been a solid steady, steady force for all of us here, because this, is ver- this was a, a traumatic. My little granddaughter, who just turned 12, she said, why is it taking so long? Well, it didn't take that long, but we all saw it on TV. We saw it happen. And thank God, the jury validated what we saw, what we saw. So again, thank you, George Floyd, for sacrificing your life for justice, for being there to call out to your mom, How how heartbreaking was that? Call out for your mom. I can't breathe. But because of you, and because of thousands, millions of people around the world who came out for justice, your name will always be synonymous with justice.
0: Your name synonymous with justice. We thank you, George Floyd, for your sacrifice for justice that that is an that is a very interesting very interesting way to to address not just to address the crowd but to address them in the way that she was in this very prayer-like again she began by addressing god Right. so so you know at the very least if, if it was intended to be a prayer she did address god and she she referenced god and jesus But the focus was not on God. The focus was on George Floyd, specifically detailing his tragic death as a form of sacrifice. Now, of course, even if this speech by Nancy Pelosi isn't intended or if you don't feel like this was a prayer directly to George Floyd, that in itself doesn't really matter for why I'm bringing this up. That part is just my interpretation of what I hear in this clip and what I what I see in the footage from the public speech. The most problematic part is this line. Thank you, George Floyd, for sacrificing your life for justice. Now, I'm sorry, but that just isn't the case. There was no sacrifice from George Floyd. It was a tragic event. It was a tragedy that a man's life was lost, but it was not and i I repeat it was not a sacrifice george floyd did not willingly die sure he willingly involved himself in a situation that ultimately led to the police being called he willingly took copious amounts likely even lethal amounts of illicit drugs He even willfully entered the physical situation of being restrained on the ground. As we have seen in the footage of the events, as they unfolded, George Floyd refusing to be put into the back of the cruiser, refusing to comply with the officer's efforts to get him into the back seat, fighting back against them, and repeatedly saying that he wanted to be on the ground. And just to be clear, these statements are not commentary from personal opinion if you have not seen the complete footage of the encounter from the time that the officers showed up on the scene through the scuffle at the police cruiser to George Floyd's physical restraint on the ground beside the car then do yourself a favor and watch it all the way through it may be very difficult to watch may be incredibly difficult for you to watch if Especially if you are not accustomed to watching raw footage of these types of situations, police encounters, especially when they involve the death of an individual. But if you haven't seen it, and you have an opinion about it, then I encourage you to do so. Even now that the trial is over, perhaps even especially now that the trial is over, because the chaos in the streets is not likely to go away with this verdict. It's important that you understand the full unbiased context of what took place outside of commentary, outside of interpretation, outside of my commentary, just the raw footage by itself. Because that being said, what we see in the events that transpired on that day, George Floyd did not sacrifice himself. thank all of you listeners for your support. I appreciate you tuning in and joining us here on the Average Apologetics podcast. If you are enjoying this content, I hope that you will subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends, family, blast it on social media. Let other people know, because after all, the more people hear the podcast, the more people can potentially benefit from this content. The verses that I began this episode with from Leviticus detail a key element to what it means to make a sacrifice. Sacrifices are a willing engagement; they are not an undesired loss. They are a purposeful action. They are not by accident or by incident. They are not perpetrated upon you unwillingly. Now, if we look and just look and see, the the jury's verdict against Derek Chauvin, finding him guilty on I don't believe it was three separate charges. Um, Second-degree unintentional murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter. By finding Chauvin guilty, the jury is legally defining the death of George Floyd as unintentionally but directly perpetrated upon him by Derek Chauvin. Again, that that's not my commentary on the matter. That's not my interpretation of the facts as they were presented. That is explicitly what the jury's verdict is determining. By their consensus, that is the current legal status of George Floyd's death. And that is what the public event that was being held by the the Congressional Black Caucus, where Nancy Pelosi gives her speech, that is why that event was taking place, to give a reaction by the caucus to the guilty verdict. So legally speaking, George Floyd did not sacrifice himself. Logically speaking, George Floyd did not sacrifice himself. He did not put himself into that position willfully. Were there actions, precursors leading up to, to his death that he had a say in? Yes. Yes. He had a say in taking part in the criminal actions that were going on leading up to the police being called. He had a say in the actions involving ingestion of, of illicit drugs. He even had a say that the The officers gave him a say during the encounter to not go into the back of the squad car. Now, if we were talking fault, where fault lies there, well, fault obviously lies with the police officers. When you comply, when you comply with the request of someone that you are in the process of arresting and their request is contradictory to the arrest, that flies in the face of the logic of making an arrest in the first place. But again, were there precursors that George Floyd had a say in leading up to his death? Absolutely. But his death was not his intentional act. It was not a willing sacrifice. We have to be very clear about that. So logically, logically speaking, he did not sacrifice himself. Biblically speaking... George Floyd did not sacrifice himself. Let's just take a look at a few examples here in Scripture to understand biblically what true sacrifice is. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, starting in verse 23, it was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. And that's referencing the sacrifices of of the, the the sacrifices under the law, the blood offerings, the blood sacrifices. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others, the, the blood of the animal sacrifices. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him, shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation." We can look in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 9. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second, by the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes. The same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. That's true sacrifice. That is true sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice for an explicit purpose. Biblically speaking, the ultimate sacrifice to cover sin. That is the purpose of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. A sacrifice that we could never make, that we could never fulfill, that we didn't have the the capacity to make. And then as far as our individual sacrifices as believers, the, the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans Chapter twelve and verse one writes: "I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service." So, in speaking to the believers, Paul is saying what he's saying that that we are to make a sacrifice, but not the sacrifice of blood, not the sacrifice of a of a blood offering or a meat offering, or of any of the the burnt offerings given under the mosaic law but a new type of sacrifice which is a living sacrifice a bodily sacrifice where we spend we expend and spend our time our energy our thoughts our prayers our devotions daily that it is our acceptable and reasonable service to god in response to the salvation made available not by our means, but by the sacrifice of Christ. Again, now, by biblical standards. By the biblical standard of what is a sacrifice? Whether we're looking at the ultimate sacrifice, the true sacrifice by which all humanity stands to benefit, by the means of the redemption available only through Jesus Christ, the salvation that only God was able to provide, or the sacrifice of the believer to God, the willingly, purposeful sacrifice which we are called to do to present our bodies as a living sacrifice meaning that it is to be an ongoing endeavor regardless of of which way we're, we're looking at it from a biblical perspective there is no reason to assume that george floyd's death in any way is representative of a form of sacrifice it's a tragedy it was a loss of life it was entirely unnecessary but it was not a sacrifice So, why is this important? That's because of what we saw in Hebrews. Because of what we see in the Gospel. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, willingly laying down his life on our behalf. That is true sacrifice. That is loving sacrifice. That is an offering given so that we might be saved. George Floyd died tragically, but he died because a lot of people made really bad decisions, including George Floyd himself, including Derek Chauvin, including the Minneapolis PD, and now, now, more people are making terrible decisions as a result of that tragedy. The rioters, the media, the politicians, Nancy Pelosi's speech is the culmination of the spirit leading these people, it's not one of devotion to God. It's not one of devotion to the truth, of seeking the truth. It is a spirit leading the people in devotion to a false sense of justice. Why do I say it's a false sense of justice? Because there's a big difference between what Nancy Pelosi was referring to as justice and the real thing. If the trial's outcome stands, for example, if the trial isn't overturned in appeals, if it isn't declared a mistrial due to external influence, which as I've mentioned before, is a very real possibility. Because even if the jury made an accurate, objective determination, even if the verdict is good, even if it stands, even if you have a mistrial and you have to take another jury and go to trial with a sequestered jury and go through the whole process again and you had the same outcome, there was no way for this trial to be legitimately a fair trial because the jurors could not make an unbiased verdict they could not reach an unbiased verdict they could not reach a verdict that was entirely unaffected by the media by the riots by the public speeches by the general public sentiment by the air of unease and the fear of what might happen to them depending on the verdict they gave so even if they would have came to the same conclusion and even if the verdict even if the verdict stands even if the trial stands as is the justice spoken of by Nancy Pelosi, by other figures, like the protesters, the rioters, is not the same as true justice. If the verdict stands, that represents legal justice. That is a form of justice. Legal justice will have been served. But right or wrong, that is not the same justice as what Nancy Pelosi is speaking of. The process, sure, the process will have played out. Justice will have been established. But what people are pushing, chaos are searching for, it isn't justice, but transformation. Political agency aside, I want you to think about this. If they are seeking transformation, and they are looking for transformation through societal change, are they looking in the right place? Is the transformation that they seek going to improve the quality of their lives? Even if it brings temporal peace, which personally I, I don't believe that it will. I believe the transformation that they are seeking in the way that they are going about it, it, it's kind of hard to create peace through riots. More than likely, it will stir more and more chaos. That's what the, That's what this type of spirit does to those who follow it. But even if it brought a temporal peace, would it bring eternal peace? You see, there was a sacrifice that brought about true transformation. True transformation that delivered peace, comfort, and hope. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection brought about the greatest transformation of all. And yes, it began with a true, willing sacrifice. The only one to truly lay down his life for us. Not so that we would be condemned. Not so that it might be in the name of justice but just the opposite, so that we would escape justice. Nancy Pelosi calls George Floyd representative of justice. And in a sense, I can actually agree with that point, because under true justice, under the justice of the righteousness of God, we are all condemned. Under true justice, we are all facing certain death. Nobody is getting out of this world alive. That's a fact. And even though it's a tragedy, that George Floyd died in the way that he did, his death in the middle of a police encounter after living a life filled with turmoil, with chaos, is exactly what you'd expect. I don't know about you, but I don't want justice. I don't want true justice. Now, do I want justice under the law? Sure. I fully support justice under the law where the law of the land is established to preserve order and dispel chaos, I certainly uphold justice under the law. But when we're talking about true, divine justice, I don't want true justice because I can't afford the payment required. Only Jesus could afford that. And because he's posted bail for us all, I'm keen to take him up on that. Now, for George Floyd and his family, I hope that George Floyd, for his sake, was a true believer. I believe in Nancy Pelosi's speech, she mentioned the the faith of of him and his family. I hope that is true. I hope that he was a true believer who had just slipped up, who, who was backslidden, slipped up in a really bad way with terrible consequences for his life, for his family. I pray that they believe God. I pray that they have faith in Jesus and that they don't want true justice for anyone but mercy. I don't know if Nancy Pelosi is a true believer. I have my doubts, just like I have my doubts about a lot of public figures who proclaim faith in God, but do and say things elsewhere that puts that profession into question. But I can say this. If you think that George Floyd's death was a sacrifice in the name of justice, you should study the life and death of the man known as jesus of nazareth who was the sacrifice in the name of mercy well that's all for today folks i hope that you all put mercy above justice devotion to god above devotion to your personal ideas and perceptions and if you find yourself thinking that you're making a big sacrifice in your life giving something up, doing without something, or suffering the consequences of one decision or another, just consider the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross of Calvary. And look, even if you're a non-Christian and you don't believe in God, you don't believe that Jesus is the Savior, you can still acknowledge the historical Jesus and his death on the cross because that's pretty much the most universally acknowledged historical event to ever happen from both theistic and secular sources. And if Jesus is a real historical figure, and his death really happened, and if there is one iota of truth to what he said, then even if you are a non-Christian, you can look at that and witness true sacrifice. See what true sacrifice really looks like, even if you can't understand its true purpose. To all of you listeners, thanks for tuning in don't forget to subscribe follow the podcast subscribe to it share it with your family your friends put it on social media i'll be expanding my social media presence in the near future so hopefully i will be easier to contact and and more able to to reach out more effectively but for now you can find me on parlor at avg apologist you can find me on youtube under average apologetics and don't forget you can check out the website, averageapologetics.com, where you can find articles and devotional materials. As always, stand strong, keep the faith, and most importantly, seek the truth in all things. Until next time, God bless.